Welcome to the Waves Ministry Podcast. My name is Caroline Hare, and I'm the founder of Waves Girls Conference. We have girls conferences for girls ages 12 to 22 in the States as well as internationally. Our mission and vision is to encourage and equip young women to start making waves for Christ in their homes, community, and in the world. We hope that through this podcast that we can bring messages and words of life, wisdom, and hope through the Word of God, life issues, and help girls know their true identity and calling. Hey girls, we are on week two of this series called Detours, and I know that I am still in quarantine like many of you probably are. I'm on day five of wearing yoga pants and day five of hair in a ponytail and no makeup. So I feel like my face should be super smooth by the time this whole process is over since I'm not wearing very much makeup. My pores should be completely perfect. At least I'm claiming that in the name of Jesus. Anybody else? Um, If you hear heavy breathing, it is my dog. He is sitting on the back of my chair um, taking a solid nap right now. And I am sitting in my sunroom with the rain falling on this gloomy day. I have a tin roof in my sunroom, and so it actually makes like a really nice sound. So if you can hear it, um, just I hope it's soothing to you. So, um, in the second week of this detour series on navigating change, um, our topic is resisting change. And, you know, I think about last time that we we met or last time we did a podcast, um, we kind of ended with the story of Jonah and Jonah had basically run from God, run from a calling that God had charged him with and he had run away from it and it ended up with him on a boat, on a ship and God being angry at him. And so a storm started raging and the people on the ship actually went to Jonah and said, what is going on? And Jonah said, please just throw me overboard. So we have a man overboard and he's been tossed into the sea. And I know that what's kind of funny is we're only going to look at one verse today in in this series because uh, this one verse has so much to it. And it's Jonah 1 verse 17. It says, now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Now, get a load of that. Jonah has not only been thrown overboard being disobedient, but he has been thrown into the sea and in the middle of the storm, obviously, and a great fish. We don't know if it's a whale or if it's just a giant, massive fish, but it swallows Jonah whole. And Jonah is in the belly of this fish for three days and three nights. Like he's not just there for like a hot second. He is there for an extended period of time. Um, I know that I wouldn't want to spend even one minute in the belly of a fish. And I was just thinking about fish. You know, a few years ago when I first moved to Destin, I had some friends come to town and we went to a restaurant here locally, yay, Harbor Docks. Who doesn't love them? Some Harbor Docks fish. If you haven't been there, you should go. Um, They're actually doing a whole lot of things for people in the area that need food right now. I'm in the midst of this coronavirus, but 
Anyway, that's besides the point. Um, I had friends come to town and they wanted to go have some local catch, some lo- local seafood. And so I suggested Harbor Docks. And when we went, they they had options for us to sit outside on the back patio. And I was like, sure, it's the sunset. It's beautiful outside. Let's do it. And so we sat outside and after a while, all the men coming off the docks and all the boats coming in, it started to smell kind of fishy. And I'm just thinking about the smell that I had that night and being in the belly of a fish would certainly stink. It also would probably be dark. Um, It might even be kind of painful because you think about it, our stomach has tons of different types of acid in it. And so therefore, the belly of a fish would have lots of different acid. It would also have different body parts and things like that of other fish or other plants that the fish had eaten. So it probably would smell, it would be stinky, and and those different acids might have even been burning Jonah's skin. I bet you he felt like he was drowning. Um, I bet water was probably, was he gasping for air? Was he even able to get clean air? Um, I bet you he felt lonely. Uh, He's alone in the belly of a fish. Of course he's alone. Um, And not only was he alone, but he was probably alone with the struggle of being fearful. I would be afraid of, okay, how long before this fish starts to digest me and starts to smother my life. Um, I'm just thinking, you know, would he get turned upside down? Would he get dizzy uh, from the the fish doing flips and flops in the water? Um, And I think whenever we resist change, oftentimes, I'm not saying that you end up in the belly of a fish, but when you resist change, it can feel like ending up in the belly of a fish. It can feel dark. It can just plain old stink because you know you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. It can be a dark season because God has already lit up your path in the direction you're supposed to go and you've stepped away from it. Um, it can be painful. It can hurt because you're resisting the change. I think about times whenever I have been in the ocean and I've resisted the waves. And that can a little bit be painful because that salt water gets in your eyes. Um, Or times whenever I've resisted change, uh, for instance, like if you're holding on to a rope instead of letting it go, it will start to burn your hands. Um, Resisting change can bring pain. Also resisting change can be pretty lonely because typically people that hear the voice of the Lord or are following God, they recognize that you're not following God. So they usually step back from you. Um, In addition, you usually don't feel like you can talk about it because if you talk to anybody that's maybe a person of the Lord, they're going to say, no, you need to go with what the Lord said. And so resisting change can feel pretty lonely. Um, In addition, it can be a time of struggle. It can be a time of being afraid because you don't know what will happen. You know that if you walk in paths of righteousness that your your pathway is going to be lit up. But if you're resisting change during those detours, it, it can be scary because you do not know what's up next. In the same way, I used that analogy last time about driving on a detour path in the mountains. You know, if I had chosen to go on and keep trekking on the normal path and not taken the detour, that road would have been broken up. They were working on the road. That's why I had to take a detour. If I had gone on and tried to drive on the road that they were working on, I probably would have ended up in potholes and gotten a flat tire or something. 
You know, whenever we do that with God and we resist the detour that he's trying to take us on, sometimes we can do more harm than good. Um, You know, I think about Jonah in that verse, and it says that he was in the belly of that fish for three days and three nights. And I, it doesn't say that he talked to God in those three days, three nights. He didn't phone a friend. I don't think he had that option. You know, I have at times, I will admit, I have given God the silent treatment when I've not been happy. Um, a lot of times I think we refuse to talk to God about something that we don't like. If we don't like the direction he's trying to take us in, sometimes it's easy for us to cross our arms and say, fine, God, I'm not talking to you about this. Um, whenever it comes to God, we give him the silent treatment whenever we're trying to resist change. And, and I just think about God is looking at us and we're like waiting on him to, to change with what we want him to change and maybe change his mind on what he said. And he's really just going to sit there and say, I'm waiting on you, my darling. Uh, you know, God is a God who he doesn't give us the silent treatment, even when we give him the silent treatment. God is a God that doesn't give us the silent treatment, even when we give him the silent treatment. A lot of times he still speaks to us through other people, through music, through the wind, through the waves, through uh, signs, billboards. He still is speaking. You know, I can think of a time when I was pretty angry with God, uh, a couple different times, actually. I know that there was a season where I was really angry at my father, and so therefore I got irritated with God. And I didn't understand why my dad's pathways were lighting up and and going well. And I realized that I had a lot of unforgiveness that I had not worked through. Another time that I refused to talk to God was a few years ago, actually. It was in my adulthood. Um, I I had experienced a crazy situation where the apartment above mine had caught on fire. My apartment didn't technically catch on fire, but man, it was flooded from the sprinkler system. Every single item I owned got wet. Then on top of that, the things that didn't get wet smelt like smoke because of the fire upstairs. And so everything was ruined. It smelled bad. It was just bad, bad, bad. And I I was angry at God. I was so angry at him. Before I'd left uh, my apartment, I remember having, I was headed out of town. I had prayed over my apartment and, and prayed safety and protection over it. And then whenever I came back into town, I came back into town into a disaster and a mess. And I was angry at God because he had not protected my home. But the truth is, is God has shown me that he did protect some things. I wasn't there when it happened. You know, there were things in my apartment that could not have been saved without a miracle. And God saved them. And I just am in awe of that. But during that season, I was so angry at God. I was angry that that, that had happened to me, that my security had been taken from me, that he, I felt like he didn't stand on his promise to protect. But 
I was angry that I had to replace everything in the midst of a crazy July season here in Destin when traffic was so bad. I was angry that I was having to drive a further distance to get to work. I was angry that I had to go buy new shoes. And instead of being excited about getting to buy all new clothes and all new shoes, all new furniture, I was mad about it. I was, I was having a hard time and every time I'd go shopping, I'd be angry at God. And it was several months before I finally sat down and confronted God about it. And, and I felt like the Lord was like, finally, you'll talk to me. Here's the deal, girls. God can handle our anger. He can handle our frustration. He is not um, a God that can't deal with it. He is more than able to deal with it. You see, in uh, James 1, it says, in James 1 verse 19 uh, through 21, it says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. You see, my anger did not produce the good relationship and right standing with God that God desires. He he desired for me to take my anger to him, to take my hurt to him, um, to take my frustration with those changes in my life to him. But instead, I was angry and it created distance. In verse 21, it says, so get rid of all that filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. He says, listen, I want to give you the word from me. And he says, if you'll just humble yourself and accept me, get rid of all those evil thoughts and anger and resisting change. You know, uh, another thing that the word says to us in Psalm 103, uh, starting in verse 8, going through verse 17, listen to this. The Lord is the complete opposite of us, by the way, in the same way that he has to tell us to be slow to speak and slow to become angry. He, in verse 8 of Psalm 103, it says, the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. Do you hear that? The Lord is slow to get angry. I think sometimes we have this perception of God that he just gets angry with us in a split second. He looks on us with compassion and mercy. Um, It says in verse 9, he will not constantly accuse us. He is not your accuser. Remember that. The enemy is the accuser. He's the one that accuses the brethren. God does not put us on trial. He has love and compassion for us. It says, nor does he remain angry forever. If he gets irritated with us or angry at us, it's not going to last for a lifetime. He has so much love and compassion for us that he's going to shower it on us and give us extra grace. In verse 10, it says, He does not punish us for all of our sins. Do you hear that? It's like a teacher when she grades a test and she's looking at a test and someone's having a hard day and she sees, oh, I really should take off an extra half a point there, but I'm just going to ignore it and pretend like I didn't see it. It's like God does that with us. Like our sins, he doesn't just kind of stack up a heap of them and try to keep tabs on us. No, he doesn't punish us for all of our sins. It says he does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. We deserve to be treated harshly. Even when we 
resist him and we resist change and we refuse to talk to God, he doesn't deal harshly with us. He doesn't try to press upon us. He just, he lets us come to him. In verse 11, it says, for his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He says, listen, if you fear the Lord, like if you have a reverence towards the Lord, like his love is for you. It says, he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He knows our weaknesses, guys. Like he knows the thing that's going to be weak, weakness for us. And so he understands that and he has compassion and mercy and tenderness towards us like a dad. It says, for he knows we are, how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. He remembers that we were created out of the dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and we die. You know, our lives may seem like an eternity. Even this quarantine phase may seem like an eternity. But in reality, our, our lives are but a vapor, as it says in the word. In verse 16, the wind blows and we are gone as though we had never been there. But the love of the Lord remains forever for those who fear him. His salvation extends to the children's children. See, his love is everlasting. It keeps going and going and going and remains forever. And it's extended from children to children to children. You know, when it comes to resisting change, we have to remember that God loves us us, that he loves us and we have a short life. And so he wants to lead us in paths of righteousness um, for us to press on towards the goal of the upper call of Christ, that we're supposed to keep pressing just like Philippians 3.14 says. And he can't do that if we're resisting the change. You know, I think about a time whenever I was really frustrated with schoolwork. I was not the best student. I I say that with all truthfulness. Like I loved Bible class. I loved English class. I love language classes. Um, I did not want to learn science and math as a teenager. And so I just kind of was a turd and I refused. And I remember my mom looking at me and at at this point, waves was not even like a glistening thought in my mind. Uh, But she said to me, she said, just like you're in the water, if you resist the waves, you're going to have a fight. But if you learn to ride the waves, you're going to be smooth. And in the same way, like if you resist the changes that God is trying to bring, you're going to have a hard time. But if you ride them, then you are going to be just fine. Just fine. You know, in First Chronicles twelve thirty two, it talks. It's just a small little phrase. It talks about the sons of Issachar. They were a group of sons that knew the times and the seasons, and therefore they were able to tell people what actions they should take because they understood the times and seasons for different things in life. And if we know our times and seasons, and if we know that it's a season of change, and we're going to have to navigate change, and we're going through a detour right now. Then, then we know the actions to take, to reevaluate things, to know to have extra grace, to not be angry, but know that this detour is going to just lead us right back to the path that God wants us on. Have a great day. 
Thank you for listening to the Waves Ministry Podcast. For more information about our ministry, check out our website, wavesgirlsconference.com, and our social media at Waves Girls Conference. Today, we hope you start making waves in your home, community, and world.